Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak, and I'm going to do a recap of legislation at the state level uh, where we are today. Obviously, the uh, big bill that was uh, took uh, an immense amount of time and discussion and meetings is uh, Assembly Bill 931. That was introduced by uh, Assembly Member Dr. Shirley Weber out of San Diego, and that was uh, that took an immense amount of time and effort by uh, PORAC and a coalition of law enforcement groups, um, LAPPL, uh, ALADS, uh, California Association of Highway Patrolmen, PORAC was obviously involved, uh, Cal Chiefs and Sheriffs uh, were all involved in uh, trying to get a seat at the table. Unfortunately, when this legislation was uh, introduced and presented, they rolled it out via grand fair fanfare through the media and uh, it took about two weeks for us to actually see the actual language of uh, what was in the bill. Uh, upon seeing it and uh, reviewing it, we could clearly tell that uh, the ultimate goal was to uh, criminalize peace officers and the performance of their job. Uh, during that time, uh, we continually reached out to the authors of the bill asking them to, uh, to have a seat at the table. I know uh, I talk quite a bit about uh, you're at the table, you're on the menu, and unfortunately law enforcement was on the menu during this process. Um, but as time progressed and uh, we had a couple meetings with them and uh, provided some amendments and expressed our uh, displeasure along with uh, our reasoning and rationale on why this was a terrible bill uh, to be get-go, you know, first and foremost, uh, you have to realize that uh, law enforcement was not um, involved in the crafting of this legislation at any point in time uh, before it was introduced. And also, uh, it was very difficult to, to work with the authors on uh, trying to let them know and understand where we were coming from and, and why we really thought this was a bad bill. It was a gut and amend, so that means this bill went up through the assembly as something different, and when it reached the Senate, uh, they completely gutted and amended it and put in the language that they wanted to change it to, uh, which made our job even more difficult in trying to uh, prevent this from passing. Fortunately, um, with the coalition and uh, a lot of work um, and getting folks involved in the process, reaching out to their elected officials. AB 931 uh, was fortunately uh, held by the pro tem, uh, Tony Adkins, and uh, I'm committed to work with her office on trying to uh, see where we can go uh, moving forward in the next legislative session. Uh, each legislative session is about t is two years. Uh, this one ends uh, on August 31st. And the new one will start uh, December 3rd where you can introduce bills and then uh, the legislature comes back into full session on a regular basis in January. 
So right now, uh, we've given ourselves about a four-month reprieve to regroup, uh, talk as a coalition, and uh, discuss how we're going to proceed forward. Um, unlike uh, the original authors of AB 931, uh, we'll include everybody at the table uh, on what that looks like going forward because uh, we want everybody to be there to be able to provide their input, uh, hopefully be a stakeholder on uh, you know taking what we're presenting and moving that forward. Uh, that doesn't criminalize police officers from uh, from doing their job. You know, one of the things that uh, recently uh, LAPD had a uh, officer-involved shooting. Uh, it was a traffic stop. The uh, officer went to uh, to make contact. Uh, and then when they asked the individual to step out of the car, uh, he stepped out of the car and uh, point blank shot the officer. Uh, please keep her in your thoughts and prayers as she recovers. But the reality is, is under AB 931, I can see the folks who who wrote it or authored it want to, uh, to prosecute the officers uh, or blame them for the incident because the person that shot the officer, uh, he's dead. Uh, there was a cover officer, and I'm not sure who was all involved in the, in, in the shooting. I'm sure it was those two officers that made the contact. But uh, they're going to blame those officers for that contact because they're going to find 100 reasons why they should have never stopped that car, and this incident would have never happened. So therefore, they want us to de-police and not do our jobs. And like I said earlier about AB 931, Nobody signed up for this job to sit at the police station and call us when it's over. We became police officers to, uh, to be proactive, to protect our communities, to serve our communities, and to make sure that they're safe. And unfortunately, um, irrespective of what they're going to say and uh, what other people are going to say, this, is, uh, this was a very detrimental bill for our occupation and our profession. So I'm glad uh, that we had some time to, uh, to step back and the, uh, the pro tem uh, wants us to, to sit down and have this conversation and, uh, and move it forward, but in a way that includes the actual people that have to enforce the laws. We brought up uh, the league down in L.A., brought up a use of force simulator. Uh, we asked several legislatures to, to go through it to get a better understanding of uh, how situations uh, evolve, how quickly you have to make decisions. Fortunately, the author of this bill uh, did not go through it, and uh, she was also invited back in San Diego uh, a few years ago to also go through the use of force simulator, and she wouldn't. Um, I have a hard time when uh, you're crafting legislation that will see change to law enforcement, and you're not willing to even go through a simulated uh, experience of a use of force incident. Um, I find that to, to be very, uh, very disheartening, especially for the folks here in Sacramento who are making all of these laws uh, that we ultimately have to enforce. So right now, um, just to recap, AB 931 uh, was held in the rules um, for this legislative session. Um, there is an expectation that uh, law enforcement sit down with all the stakeholders. So in the next session, which starts in uh, 2019, We'll, uh, we'll have a conversation on what type of legislation to, uh, to bring forward. I anticipate that uh, you'll see a lot of stuff about policies. There'll be a lot of stuff about training. 
and I think a, a variety of other issues that uh, I think law enforcement can uh, be proactive on and uh, change that narrative. So that's where we are with uh, AB 931. Um, I want to thank our advocates, uh, Aaron Reed and Associates, who work tirelessly, and also our coalition, uh, the League down in L.A., ALADS, the L.A. County Sheriff's Association, uh, the CHP Association, the Cal Chiefs and Sheriffs. Uh, I think we worked exceptionally well on this, and we look forward to uh, continue having that continued dialogue on that. And that's, uh, that's AB 931. The next piece of legislation is uh, SB 1421 by Senator Skinner. Uh, this is a uh, release of records uh, bill that uh, it did pass both the Assembly and the Senate and is currently on the governor's desk waiting to be signed. Um, we were uh, opposed to this. I do want to thank the senator for uh, reaching out to us. This is, I think, like the second or third time that the legislature has tried to uh, to release these types of records. Um, her office uh, was very uh, forthright and forthwith in getting us information and having us sit at the table and have a conversation about these types of records. Um, the biggest thing that we need to be aware of is that um, obviously we have in California the Peace Officers Bill of Rights, and some records are... Um, not allowed to be open or are public. And this bill would now make any, um, any incident involving the discharge of a firearm at a per person by a peace officer or custodial officer or an incident in which a use of force by a peace officer or custodial officer uh, regret, uh, results in uh, great bodily injury and uh, any sustained findings regarding uh, sexual assaults involving a member of the public, any sustained finding of dishonesty by a peace officer or custodial officer uh, would require the uh, release of the information, the investigative reports, photographic, audio, video evidence, uh, any transcripts or recordings or interviews, Autopsy reports, all materials compiled and presented for review to the district attorney or to any person or body charged with determining whether to file criminal charges against an officer in connection with an incident or whether the officer's actions were consistent. Um, this has to be done within 60 days uh, of that incident. Um, obviously, the DA's office and uh, law enforcement agencies can delay the disclosure if this would uh, create um, an issue regarding an investigation, and then they can uh, they can do it in 180 180 day intervals, uh, but they would have to provide it in writing with a specific basis for the agency's determination. Um, we were pretty much uh, actively opposed to this, not in a sense of uh, trying to release these types of records. But our biggest issue was in concern regarding um, how officers' uh, complaints are sustained or investigations. We really wanted to try to tighten up so the way investigations are done on a statewide level are consistent throughout the state, where in one jurisdiction um, it would be rather uh, the investigation would go through a process that would be fair and impartial and would give the officer all the due rights they're afforded. And then in other locations, uh, that may not be the case. 
So basically when you have incidents of use of force or the types of uh, incidents that are in this bill, uh, those are pretty salacious and the news media wants those. Um, that's what gets clicks and drives them to their website are these types of incidents. So if you are accused of doing something like that, and uh, that's going to be uh, above the fold type of uh, reporting, but then if you're ultimately exonerated after going through the entire process, um, you'll find that in the garden section that you were exonerated. But during this time, your name is out there. Uh, people are uh, boycotting your police station. They're marching around your police station. They're probably harassing you in private or public. Um, so what we wanted to do was make sure that it was fair and equitable and that people had due process. Um, unfortunately, the uh, California chiefs uh, submitted some amendments that the uh, senator took, and uh, they, they came off of the active oppose and uh, actively supported the passage of this bill. And that's where it currently is on the governor's desk. So we'll uh, keep you updated uh, when we find out uh, the status of that. And uh, hopefully uh, we can talk to the governor and uh, maybe uh, have this sent back down to where we can maybe work a little bit better with the uh, senator on trying to get some of the uh, due process rights to be equal uh, throughout the state of California. So uh, stay tuned for a future podcast on uh, the status of SB 1421. The final uh, piece of legislation I'm going to talk about today is uh, Assembly Bill 748 by Assemblymember Ting. This is about uh, video and audio recordings and uh, the disclosure of them, mostly pertaining to uh, body-worn camera footage. I was fortunate uh, to go through the process of negotiating a body-worn camera policy with my department down in San Diego. I think we were on the forefront of creating a policy I think is one of the best policies in the state and in the nation. When I first sat down and had those negotiations, I was concerned about the privacy, not only of the officer, but uh, the general public in which we deal with on a regular basis. And I wanted to make sure that uh, cases were adjudicated or heard through the court system before there was any release. Obviously, in the uh, short amount of time of the rollout to the body-worn cameras and to where we are today, um, they're being released on a much more substantial basis. This bill actually uh, addresses that and uh, changes the uh, California Public Records Act, which requires uh, that uh, video and audio recordings be made available to, available to the public for inspection and promptly by uh, agencies. Um, current law makes the investigations conducted by a state or local police agency exempt from these requirements. Also, um, Current law requires specified information regarding the investigation of crimes to be disclosed to the public unless disclosure would endanger the safety of a person involved in the investigation or would endanger the successful completion of the investigation. This bill actually has some flaws in it uh, that were actually brought up on the, the floor uh, during the hearing. Even though that it had flaws, the, uh, the legislature still decided to pass this, this current bill. This bill in its current form is also waiting for the governor's signature. Commencing on July 1 of 2019, uh, this bill will allow video or audio recording that relates to uh, critical incidents. Um, that means a discharge of a firearm at a person uh, by a peace officer or custodial officer 
or uh, death or great bodily injury, um, that those need to be released within uh, 45 days. Now, uh, you just heard me talk about uh, SB 1421, which talks about 60 days. So uh, there's a little bit of a conflict between these uh, two pieces of legislation. Um, as I stated a little bit earlier, when uh, I first negotiated the uh, body-worn camera policy down in San Diego, I was opposed to releasing this type of information until it had been adjudicated. But considering the amount of uh, video that's already out there and with the Los Angeles Police Department pretty much uh, releasing all of the video regarding um, use of force incidents, or I should say officer-involved shootings, um, you know, it might be the time that we start releasing all of it, uh, carte blanche. I think people need to see how the general public, uh, some of the things that they say and do to officers and the performance of our job. Because right now the narrative is the only th time you ever see a police officer is if they're doing something bad or they're involved in a shooting. When the reality is we all know that 99% of all our contacts um, are done very well and very professional and the use of force incidents um, by and large um, are done within policy. So it may be time to have that discussion about releasing that type of footage so we can get other narratives out there that show police officers doing extremely professional work under extremely tense situations, handling the situation within the guidelines um, and letting people see that versus letting the other groups, the anti-police groups, continue to drive the narrative that anytime you have a contact with a peace officer, it's going to be negative. And we know that that's not true. And I know the silent majority believes and supports our occupation and the things that we do to protect our communities to make sure that they're safe. But as it is with politics and other types of things, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And they bust people up to the Capitol they talk about incidents uh, that are very sensitive to the people involved. But the reality is, it's a small amount. Cops are not superhuman. We cannot make superhuman decisions. We are people just like everybody else. And sometimes we make mistakes. But I think we need to start showing the footage of all of the other contacts that we're involved in. So this bill basically just releases it within the 45-day period uh, to the news media. And like I stated before, this is what they want. This is what gets click-throughs to their site. This is what gives news media the opportunity to, to run a byline. Um, you know, people are very interested in the work that we do and how we do it. And if it's an officer-involved shooting, uh, a lot of people want to see that, and they want to hear about it. And unfortunately, if it's... Uh, you know, a sensitive uh, shooting, uh, it even draws more people to where they start protesting and having cookouts in front of district attorney's offices and doing those types of activities. Uh, even though, um, you know, somebody may have pointed a simulated firearm that at the time that the officer fired their weapon had no idea that it wasn't a firearm. So it's going to be interesting to see um, with some of the changes regarding SB 1421 and uh, AB 748, uh, what our profession looks for, looks uh, looks like uh, going forward. So these are the three top bills uh, that were the main focus of PORAC over the uh, closing two weeks of the legislative session. 
We have a variety of other uh, legislation that we were uh, supporting, opposing, sponsored, and co-sponsored. And uh, we'll be putting out more information through our magazine and also through uh, some additional podcasts. Uh, Down the road, I uh, anticipate having some uh, legal defense uh, attorneys uh, having a discussion about uh, AB 931, uh, 1421, and 748 and uh, start protecting yourself uh, from what that looks like moving forward. Thank you uh, for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on our social media platforms. Go to poorac.org, poorac.org for more info. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Google, please give us five stars. This helps us to get noticed. Don't forget to share our podcast with your members, friends, and families. All the best and have a safe day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 